welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Today's episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast is brought to you by the book, Tales of a Toxic Teacher, Exposing the Cycles of Abuse Within Our Schools, written by Angela Harders. In this book, Angela shares some of the shocking experiences that happen behind the closed doors of a public school classroom and exposes some of the many abuses that take place in school intentionally and unintentionally, and no one escapes unscathed. Tales of a Toxic Teacher is available for purchase on Amazon.com. The ebook and audiobook versions are also available for free to members of the Peaceful World Schooling community. If you are interested in becoming a member, just check out the membership link in the description below. Thank you so very much for supporting Angela and for helping to make the Peaceful World Schooling podcast freely available to all. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders. I am the author of Gospel-Based Parenting and the Crunchy Kids series, and I'm also the author of Toxic Teaching, which will be released on November 30th, which is my birthday. Um, I'm also the proud proud world schooling mother to two incredible children, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who is three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to an incredible mom named um, named Juliet Mandler. Juliet, thank you so much for being with us today. Sure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So to get us started, Juliet, would you mind sharing a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Sure. So, um, I'm originally from the California area, and I was involved um, on the political scene there um, for quite quite a while. I decided to move to Maryland, uh, Washington, D.C., and that's where I got married and had children. And um, I didn't realize that homeschooling and later unschooling would be something that I would be very passionate about. And... I think all of the different experiences I've had in my life have basically led me to where I am right now, where, which is basically, you know, living in Florida, um, pursuing all of my dreams here (laughs) and just being free to, to do anything, almost anything I, I want to help my children succeed in life. Hmm. I think that's a beautiful way to summarize the heart behind homeschooling and in particularly unschooling as well to help our children succeed in life. That's beautiful. Uh, I know you said that you kind of 
homeschooling kind of wasn't really on your radar at the beginning. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what inspired you to consider homeschooling for your family? Well, I think it's, uh, it actually started um, living in Maryland, um, seeing how the political landscape was changing um, so that even on a preschool and kindergarten level, um, and this is, you know, just maybe six, seven, five to seven years ago, it was really putting um, others in front of others. So it was creating an inequality or an inequity <laughs> um, between students. And to me, that is not fair. Um, you know, it's, it, there's, there's a lot of, there are a lot of clashes happening um, when it comes to certain areas. <laughs> and I'm trying to, you know, to, to, to sound as, as, as polite as possible, but when it comes to teaching certain characteristics and traits and work ethics, um, there seems to be a huge clash um, with the Board of Educations all over the country and with what I would like for my son to be taught, um, you know, by a certain grade level. And it's, it's really unfortunate because I see a lot of suffering happening um, with teachers, with mm. many teachers who want, who want to go above and beyond, who want to help cultivate, um, you know, and help all of these bright, bright young students. And it's, they're, they're, they're being forced to kind of go along with the status quo. And I think that's when the fire got lit me. And I realized, you know, I've been able to basically do everything I set my mind to. And even though I had some self-doubts in the beginning, I had to put it all in perspective and realize that I'm not trying to teach college level classes to a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. will learn at his own pace, as will I. And I get a lot of, I get a lot of people uh, asking me if, if I'm a teacher and it's really hard for me to answer them in a way that they can understand. I mean, I'm, I'm a mother, of course I'm a teacher. I mean, who else better to raise a child than a dedicated, committed, intelligent mom? <laughs> right. Um, and for me, it's, um, I try and not be, you know, I, I try and not let my ego react and, you know, I'm not trying to be indignant but, you know, it really raises a whole other issue um, like nationwide where a lot of mothers and fathers, too, are being taught that they cannot teach their children the same way a government or a public school can. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really tough. It's really tough to see that. And then you see, on the other hand, like the huge boom in homeschoolers and how so many of these parents realize that this is their strength, that mm -hmm. they are so happy that they're being able to spend time with their children now. And, you know, having their children in, in some ways lead their own education and be excited about learning again. Mm -hmm. Have some other parents who are still struggling. So I hope that this podcast will help, <laughs> will help 
maybe assuage some of those fears and, and alleviate some of those doubts that, you know, some of your listeners um, have, because I know I've had it, but I don't know if everybody has the same type of mentality as me. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, there were so many things that you just shared that I feel like I want to ask you about and kind of dive in deeper um, about. And I, I think it's, it is, it's fascinating what you're saying about the fact that parents really do, like we feel inadequate to be able to teach our own children, um, which is completely bizarre because we don't feel like that when we're teaching them how to walk or teaching them how to talk or teaching them their colors or how to get dressed or, you know, any of these other things, like we're like, okay, I got that. But when it comes to teaching them the water cycle or, you know, teaching them about the finances or reading or whatever, we all of a sudden just feel like, oh my gosh, I, I can't, I can't. Um, and which is, I always thought was really bizarre because, you know, I, I, of course I'm a public school teacher and I built this, you know, career tutoring other people's kids. And a lot of the people that I tutor, um, you know, their parents are extremely well-educated people. And, and I can remember going to some tutoring sessions and just thinking to myself, this is really bizarre. Like these parents are paying me $70 an hour to teach their child something that they should have already learned, you know, um, and whether it's something, some of it, it was like, you know, your kids in elementary school. I know that you know how to teach your child how to do this. I know that you can do fourth grade math or second grade math. Like you don't have to pay me $70 to teach your child seventh, you know, second grade math or whatever. Um, or, you know, even in the case of high school stuff, like the fact that you went through this system and you don't even feel comfortable to be able to teach it to your child, even though you supposedly learned it, like that should be communicating something to us. Like you are a successful human being on this planet. And yet for whatever reason, algebra two just wasn't relevant in your life and you made it and you're okay. You know, like, it's okay. If your kid doesn't get algebra two in their life. Um, if, if, if we're not using it, do we really need it? You know? Right. Um, but it is, it's definitely like a mindset shift. And so I'm wondering, um, did you like just dive into unschooling or did you kind of start out? I know, I know a lot of homeschool parents start out with that. You know, I'm starting homeschooling for the first time. I'm going to just do school at home. Did you kind of start in that more traditional way or did you just go all in with unschooling? With my experience, I knew that when I got pregnant with my first child, I would be a stay-at-home mom forever. Mm. So I, my husband and I, we'd already planned everything so that we could be on one income. So on a tangent right there, a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> um, I, depending on the counties, obviously, but you know, you have a mortgage where you need a two-income household. So that kind of takes away the stay-at-home parent aspect. Mm. Um, especially Montgomery County. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought, but um, okay, stay at home, stay at home parents. So for me, um, I mean, what I was doing since, um, since my first was born is basically teaching. Uh, I guess you can call it homeschooling, um, you know, going through the letters, uh, singing songs, uh, pointing out 
everything on walks, um, just constant talking over and over and over again, really making the, the effort. It was extremely hard and extremely difficult, but I knew that like the first two years of a child's life are when you really build that foundation um, you know, like like on a house, you know, you can't build the house unless you have a very stable, strong foundation. And um, that's what I did. Uh, I, you know, and then obviously, you know, asking him questions, uh, you know, him answering and just continuing that. And um, right now, my my oldest, he's he he's eight and he's reading chapter books like crazy. Um, you know, like I'm talking fourth, fifth grade, probably even, I don't even know, middle school level. Um, just today I bought a bunch of like young adult fiction for him to read. So it, it's, it's not about, um, it's not about forcing them or being angry at them. It's about having patience. And I think that a lot of parents who have that doubt, they are not only, um, having the challenge of, being patient with their children, but they're also not patient with themselves. Mm. You really have to be patient with your children. Um, with my first, you know, it was easier to get him to start reading. And I can already tell with my, my second, he's not going to be reading at the same level, but he's most likely going to be writing at a higher level. So mm. you have to be able to kind of tell, you know, what their strengths are. Um, and I hope that answered your question. <laughs> kind of went all over the place. Yeah. Well, and um, that was, you know, it's interesting that you bring up reading too, because when I was first exploring the idea of unschooling, that was the part that was the most difficult for me. I was terrified that I, my daughter would never learn how to read because, you know, of course I'd spent a good portion of my career as a reading teacher, teaching mm -hmm. other children systematically how to read. Right. And yet here I was learning that there were all these parents all over the world that kept saying that their child learned how to read on their own. Like they were not formally taught how to read. And it just blew my mind. I was like, there is no way, you know? Um, and that was, that was my biggest fear. Like, how is my daughter going to learn how to read if I don't teach her how to read? Um, and see, and I want to interject really quickly. Yes. That type of doubt right there. Anytime any parent has that doubt, you have to check yourself. Okay. And realize, wait a second, let me put this in perspective. Okay. First of all, if they go to a trade school or a college, university, whatever, they're not going to be asking you at what age you started to learn how to read. Right. Nobody. It's not going to be on your gravestone. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. Right. And that type of thinking allowed me to basically get rid of the doubt. Mm. One thing that I had trouble with um, in the beginning is patience with my child because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I am somewhat impatient. Well, I used to be not anymore right now. It's anything goes. Um, <laughs> and I think you kind of get used to that, but you know, it's the expectations of having the same type of structure and expecting some crazy results in a young child is ridiculous. I mean, in my opinion, and this is not just based on an opinion, but from what I observe and see, you know, you have like preschools <laughs> being, being like the starting grounds for learning how to read and write. 
and then you have many students, you know, a lot of them boys, sure, because they like to run and stuff, being uh, in, unable to do that. And then they're being put like behind, mm. but they're behind, they're just going at their own pace. Mm. And I have a feeling I'm going to start seeing, um, you know, with the little news that I read, you know, like three-year-old preschool, not even nursery school or nurseries anymore, right? Where they're going to start like forcing these very, very young children, toddlers, to start doing something that they are in no way um, ready for. And it's it's already heartbreaking to see that being done, um, you know, with kindergarten level, even first grade level. Yeah. If they're not ready, they're not ready. Um, and, you know, it really hurts their self-esteem too. That That's so true. And, you know, you're right. You said something that was interesting about you know, like they get behind, but you know, they're, they're not like, they're not really behind. They, every child is on their own unique path. And in the same way that it doesn't really matter if your child learned how to walk when they were six months or learned to walk when they were 18 months, like, I mean, there's this huge range, right? And, and it's the same with reading. Like we have this idea that kids need to learn how to read at this certain level by this certain time. And that's just not the case, you know, and forcing kids to learn how to read when they're three years old. Um, actually, I did a lot of research on this, but there are a lot of studies that actually show that that early literacy doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to like love reading, you know, um, just because they know how to read at an earlier age doesn't mean that they will love reading. And that was actually my motivation for exploring this unschooling lifestyle, because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, more than my daughter knowing how to read, I want her to love to read. Um, and and I know that loving something doesn't come through force or coercion. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering how did your child, how, how did your children learn how to read as an unschooling family? Well, reading a lot of books all the time, like basically since birth uh, helps. Uh, talking a lot no screen time. Um, that, that is a huge thing. Um, I think it's one of the, the largest things, <laughs> especially in this day and age. Um, no video games, almost limited screen time for my oldest. I mean, my youngest is still too young to, to read, but very little screen time. I can't stress that enough. Um, it's, I think it's even worse than it being called brain candy. Um, unless you're actually learning something from watching maybe 15, 20 minutes and then writing all about it, like having a little report, um, there's really no value to it. Um, mm. I think maybe within the first like six or seven years, you really have to, I mean, I think, let's see with my oldest, I'm trying to remember. He didn't watch anything until he was maybe five or six years old. And when I mean anything, I mean no television, no tablets, no phone, absolutely nothing. Wow. And that's why he is happy. <laughs> He's super happy. He's super energetic, like crazy energetic. Um, he's not chubby. <laughs> you know, he exercises all the time. He, I, I'm totally fine that he's all over the place because he just wants to, to run and play. Mm -hmm. And he talks to adults. <laughs> Which I know it's, you know, these are all like super random things, but to me, they stand out because he's able to have just a regular conversation with people. Mm -hmm. um, 
without having to look at a screen constantly. Mm. And I see that with many other children his age, they're just playing video games and they're very aggressive and angry and tired and it's, it's affecting them. Hmm. So that's, it's basically, yeah, like I mentioned, um, I can't really, I, I'm assuming a, a healthy diet, um, you know, that's also something that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I may be one of those moms, uh, quote, end quote, but I read the ingredients of everything, very minimal processed foods. Mm-hmm. When I mean very minimal, it's like really minimal. And I look at the ingredients too. Yeah. Because I, I see what's being put into foods here sold in the US versus foods, let's say in Europe. And there's a clear, a clear distinction between those two. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he loves roasted Brussels sprouts. How many, <laughs> how many eight-year-olds are like jumping with joy? <laughs> at the thought of eating roasted Brussels sprouts. So it's, um, that's just one example, but I just Mm -hmm. think, and it's hard. It's really hard, but I see, I see all of the work I put in and it's totally worth it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's Um, awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, And you're right, you know, especially with boys in particular, you mentioned that a lot of times, we tend to, you know, label boys because they're not as excited to sit down and read, um, you know, when they're three, four and five years old, because they do like they, they have a lot of energy and they like to run around and be active and do all these kinds of things outside. And actually I wrote um, a chapter about this in my book that we are drastically overrepresenting. Um, boys in particular and labeling them as having special needs or labeling them as having ADHD or these other things. And, you know, we say that, oh, this child has special needs, but the truth is they're not special needs. They just have regular needs. Like they have regular, normal, completely normal needs to be loved, to be understood, to be valued for the individual that they are, to move around, to be active. Like those are normal needs that a child has. Um, and it is, it really is a shame that we are, you know, quick to kind of slap these labels, um, on boys in particular, and it does, it's very harmful to their, to their self-esteem. And, um, and as you mentioned, food definitely does also play a role in, in that, in the, you know, the kinds of behaviors that children are exhibiting and, um, and, you know, screen time too. A lot of times kids can be, um, you know, negatively impacted by, um, you know, by being on screens for different things. But um, I definitely think it is important to, whether you're using screens or not, to be mindful of, um, you know, just what your, what your kids are being exposed to and um, being able to connect with your children while they're connecting on screens and not kind of just using screens as a way to like send your kids off somewhere um, on their own. Although I know that can be tempting um, but to really be intentional and get curious about, you know, what your children are doing, what they're watching, what they're looking at, what they're listening to, um, and engage with them in that aspect as well. Um, so I, I know that, um, that you are an unschooling family and I'm wondering, did you have any particular like fears or concerns when you started unschooling? I mentioned that I was worried about, you know, my daughter would never learn how to read. Um, did you have any fears or concerns about unschooling? I mean, I still have, I I wouldn't say just a fear, but a worry that he won't 
learn <laughs> I wouldn't say anything, but I mean, that that's, you know, that's how radical some of these, you know, fears and doubts, you know, he's mm. not going to learn anything today. Like what will happen? <laughs> you know, I mean, every single day, there's always something that gets that gets learned. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be in a workbook. Um, it can be in, you know, like a short video about a country. I mean, just it, there's always something that can be learned through yeah. any type of activity. So right. I think I think that that would be one of the it's not really a doubt but just a worry that I have that he won't progress. Mm. But then again I check myself because I'm I'm used to to the cycle <laughs> and <laughs> um and now I've basically, you know, programmed myself to not even have those fears or doubts or worries because mm. I know and I see that you know within a, a month he has read a certain number of books and you know we complete a certain number of worksheets and um you know it's also just based off of him literally growing <laughs> and you know just getting taller and uh you know he asks a lot more deep questions, uh, which are not very common amongst uh, eight-year-old boys, I think, in the country. And yeah. you can kind of tell. So it's, um, I think it just, it's, it's not about instant gratification, which society is all about now. Mm -hmm. so it's really taking a step back and realizing that these efforts, um, all of this, all of this work and non-work is leading up and adding upon this foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like to think of it almost like, you know, when you're growing a garden, right? Like we're watering these seeds every day. But if you were to like stand there and watch the seed, you know, like we're not seeing the growth happen, like in that moment, even though growth is happening in that moment, of course, um, growth happens just simply by existing, we're growing. Um, and it, it is, it is that, you know, being able to have that delayed gratification and go back and look and say, oh, wow, you know, I, I was, I was worried that my child wasn't learning anything, or, you know, I had this concern that, oh gosh, you know, maybe they, they weren't progressing or whatever, but now I can look back and see, wow, they really did. You know, like they read all these books, like you mentioned, or we did all these different things together and I can see how they're, how they're learning and how they're growing. Um, even if it might be, you know, hard to kind of see or identify that in the moment. Um, one of the things that I like to do that has helped me a lot with, um, with dealing with that own fear, uh, as well is to play the, what are they learning game? I don't know if you like to do that with your kids. Um, but it's something that I started doing uh, a couple of years ago, actually, and it has been so helpful for me. I learned it from another unschooling group on Facebook. Um, but literally it, we just take whatever they're doing. Um, and I asked myself, what is my child learning when, um, and that could literally be anything like, what is my child learning when they're playing Legos? What are they learning when they're, um, riding their bike? What are they learning when they're on this nature hike? What are they that learning? So funny, Cause I do that without knowing that it's a game. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is, it's such a powerful way to 
you know, kind of take that step back. And instead of approaching our children with this agenda of like, okay, today I'm going to teach you X, Y, Z, you know, we can really take that step back and look at our children and see what they're choosing to engage in, choosing how they're like, how they're choosing to spend their time and look at that and say, okay, what is my child learning from whatever it is that they're enjoying in this moment? Um, and I think that's a, a really powerful kind of switch, I think, between homeschooling versus unschooling um, is, is being able to kind of take that step back and look for the learning that our children are already doing. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you see it's a lot of these things, I don't know why, but they were inherent um, in me. Mm-hmm. I, for some reason, was doing things that a lot of people talk about like doing to change their other habits. Um, and I'm, I'm mentioning this because I, I, you know, the topic of teaching your child how to read. Um, I always um, was teaching them phonics, mm-hmm. which a lot, some, there's a huge group that teaches sight words. So you basically memorize you're memorizing words instead of understanding how the letters sound. And right. it's, I didn't even understand that there was another way to te- like, you know, it's, it's obviously not as effective, um, but it's with the English language, um, but with sight words, you're going to create, I mean, so much confusion. Um, and it's really just memorization where you're not really understanding the theory and the actually putting putting the knowledge to practice, um, you know, does that make sense? That makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that was one of the, the turning points in lessening and almost eliminating my own self-doubt because I realized, holy, holy shiitake mushroom. I've actually been doing what a lot of other people say is the, the best way. And I realized that as long, you know, I just have to think about something, believe in myself and try it out. And, you know, with, with unschooling and, you know, some, some types of homeschooling, you know, if, if some, if a curriculum or a way of teaching is not working, you can change it. There is no obligation um, to keep going this route or this path. And that's part of the freedom with, with unschooling. Um, and it's, uh, it's great. I mean, you know, basically teach the basics without any, any type of really set curriculum, because they're so young, they need to just learn, you know, sounds and how to write letters, you don't really need to, to have like workbooks and workbooks and workbooks for that. Um, You could use them, sure, but you're kind of wasting, you know, a lot of money. You just need to like get some tracing paper <laughs> and have them like do it over and over and over again. And I think that's what a lot of parents who are so new to it don't realize that you don't, you can do this for free. You don't have to pay anything. If at some point you want to invest in some like random workbooks, which I do at this point, um, then you can do it then. But there's so much that is free and available online, even in the library um, that, you know, it's, um, I think people are overwhelmed um, at, with what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And that again, causes the fear and the worry 
Yeah. And it's all kind of just, you know, hitting them from every possible angle, but yeah, that's so yeah. true. I think you brought up a really important distinction too, because I think a lot of people, when they hear the term unschooling, they think that you're just kind of not doing anything, you know, yeah, like, like running around not- like wild free, like you know, <laughs> I don't know, animals. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of people kind of have that perception, you know, when they hear the term unschooling, which is one of the reasons why I don't like the term unschooling. And I, I prefer to use the term peaceful world schooling instead. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not that you're not using a curriculum. Um, although, you know, like, I mean, I heard you mention, you know, using curriculum and using workbooks and things like that. And um, I think that's a really important distinction to make because as unschoolers, it doesn't mean that we're not using curriculum or not using workbooks or worksheets or whatever. Um, Although there are some unschoolers out there that don't use curriculum or workbooks or worksheets. um, But it just means exactly what you said, that if something is not working for you, you have the freedom to choose something different. And not just you, but also your child has the ability to choose something different. Um, which I think that is another one of like the big ideas I feel like in unschooling is that I, as the parent, am not forcing my child to do X, Y, Z, but we're partnering together in their learning and, and we're supporting one another um, in ways that are fun and engaging and meaningful for the child. Um, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's kind of, I guess, like my, my thought process when I think about that. Um, But what does that look like for you? Like, how do you guys incorporate, incorporate, um, you know, workbooks or curriculum in your learning? So I try and, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm actually a very organized person, but when it comes to homeschooling, I don't want to keep a very set structure because I don't want my son to, <laughs> to be used to just, you know, a, the same schedule every single day. That's kind of what I want to avoid. Having said that, obviously, you know, my, my own point of view is that there has to be some structure. I'm not just going to allow him to do, you know, to play with his Legos all day. <laughs> right. Um, which again, they help with, you know, your mobile, you know, skills um, and dexterity with the fingers, right? That's what I think of, like, what did we learn today? Um, but, you know, there's language arts, spelling, phonics, um, math. Uh, there's science. Um, I mean, I have a bunch of different books. Uh, and we don't use, obviously, he doesn't do each one every single day. But I kind of try and, you know, shake things up. And, you know, he does like maybe, you know, phonics and spelling and like a clock book, you know, for one day. And then another day of the week, um, we learn about a country and he just does like, you know, a one or two page report. He draws the flag and we watch, we do watch some, some videos on YouTube. They're all free, um, you know, that I find and we watch them together and we learn about, you know, basics of the country. So that's geography right there. That's writing. That's, you know, art. <laughs> it's all of these things um, you know, together. And yeah. then he also yeah. plays an instrument. Um, so, and, you know, with us moving, you know, that was on hold for a while, but now we're starting it up again. Uh, right now he's learning two other languages, which is great because we have, we have the time for it and, you know, we can, we can do it. Um, he just wants to learn a bunch of different languages all at once. So I already had like a Rosetta Stone membership 
And one day we just went on Rosetta Stone and he started to learn like Danish basics. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so, I mean, you can't do that in a public school. You can't say, you know, hey, hey, teacher, like, you know, I'd like to learn some words in Danish. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. Um, so yeah. that's, that's kind of the, the, the freedom there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's this type of, I think, level geography where at Mm -hmm. some point we're going to have every country um there's also history so we learn you know some of the history about these countries and then we learn about american history too and i think every time that there's a um like a national um holiday you know we do another i wouldn't say unit study but you know it's another study on on that holiday and the older he gets um you know, we'll, we'll delve into it, you know, in, in more depth. Um, because, you know, right now he's, you know, he just turned eight, you know, I'm not going to give him the whole spiel on, you know, the, the causes and effects of world war one, but you know, he, and then it's, that's, that's most of the structure. And then we just, you know, kind of, he, he does it around our day. So if we go to the playground, and meet some other homeschooling families in the morning, then he does his work later on in the day. Mm. And it's the opposite another way. So it's, there's a lot of flexibility there. Mm. So you don't really have, I guess, like a typical day, you know, like you, it's, it sounds like you guys like to kind of go with the flow a lot and you have a lot of flexibility, but at the same time, there is still some sort of, you know, I guess structure, or I guess more formal, um, book work that you guys like to incorporate into your days. Um, is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and it's always changing that. That's how I do it. Um, I know that there are some families who don't do any writing until the children are much older. Um, I mean, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just mentioning it, um, in the podcast. Um, that doesn't mean that what they're doing is wrong. There's mm-hmm. no one right way to do something. Uh, the same applies to parenting as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it works for them. Uh, um, and it works for us right now. I'm not saying that it's perfect. Um, I think that there's a, uh, right now what's happening um, with my oldest is that it's not that he can't do it, but he's starting to get, he's starting to procrastinate a little bit. So it's not like I have to force him, <laughs> but I have to now explain to him why it's so important mm-hmm. for him to continue. Um, you know, and it's, you know, it's not like I'm making him do calculus. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, that's, that's where I'm at with, it's like a balancing act. Like, I also don't want him to be working um, or doing his lessons for too many hours in one day. So if he's taking too long or if he's just unable to focus, I, I end it mm-hmm. and that's it. And then we just continue on the, the next day. I, I don't want him to, to dread, um, you know, doing, doing his lessons and just continuing to, to practice um, and learn more mm-hmm. because he's, he's such a good reader that he's kind of, you know, I kind of let him complete these things on his own. Mm-hmm. I check it and then, you know, a few mistakes here or there, but for the most part, I, you know, it, 
right now he's what eight so it'd be second grade i he's way ahead um based off of what i'm what i have in the books so it's he's probably third or fourth grade with many things like he mm-hmm. loves fractions so i have to try and find you know books that have lots of fractions in them <laughs> um and we you know it's it's that i think that's part of the the challenge too is you have so many different books and curriculum out there mm-hmm. i mean for me a fear a worry is like should i spend like a thousand dollars on a curriculum and then what if he doesn't like it then i'm out a thousand dollars so mm-hmm. it's well and and you're right i mean there are so many free resources out there that it really isn't it really isn't necessary to invest invest all this money into a curriculum that one, you may not even use, two, you may not enjoy. Um, and, you know, when there are so many free alternatives, it, it, it's kind of hard, in my opinion, um, to justify that, that expense. Um, and I don't know, I always try to see if there's, you know, we, we have workbooks too, um, but I don't, you know, force my daughter to, to do them ever. Um, and occasionally she will pull one out on her own and, and want to like play school. Um, and so she'll like do the workbooks as a way to play school. Um, but we, you know, I'm not like, okay, sit down now we're going to do, you know, an hour of math or half an hour of math or whatever. It's not, it's not like that at all. And, but I've always had that mentality of like, you know, I'm looking at these workbooks, these math workbooks, and I'm seeing the content that's there. And I'm constantly asking myself, is there a more fun way <laughs> that we could learn this skill? Um, and, and most of the time there is, you know, especially in those early grades where they're practicing like counting and adding and all these other things. It's like, could, could I sit down and make my daughter do this boring, you know, worksheet and have her like write out all these answers? Sure. Um, but she has so much more fun when she's counting, you know, real life objects or we're counting marshmallows in our hot chocolate or, you know, we're adding these different things or we're doing fractions as we're baking or whatever, you know? And, and so in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I can teach the same skill in a fun way, um, and it's something that's meaningful and relevant to my child, why would I not choose to do that over, you know, these workbooks or worksheets or whatever? I mean, with my son, it's all aliens. Like he does like a, like a workbook and then he just goes off on this weird make-believe alien story that has to do with some of the things that he learned <laughs> and he's able to incorporate everything he learns with aliens and outer space. Hmm. So that's how he's able to make it fun. I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't think I really need to, um, for me, it's, you know, he, he does, he does the work and then he makes it fun for himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I guess it helps, you know, helping foster that imagination because it's never ending. Like he just talks all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's something with the curriculums too. Um, a lot of these curriculums are on a computer as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even think this, I know this, that when you're placing such a young child just in front of a screen, they're learning, but it's also much limited or very limited. Um, you know, they're not writing as much. 
um, it's just not not the same. And mm-hmm. I even noticed that with um, with my son, when he uh, when we were still in Montgomery County, we did. I gave well, I gave him one day, but I relented with my husband. I said three days, three days in front of the screen, and you'll see what's happen what will happen to him. So he had to do the virtual school because of COVID, shutting everything down. And after the first day of virtual school, he was completely exhausted because he just had to sit in this, you know, in this chair. Um, and I had I had reasons for putting him into public school at that time, which are now, you know, over. Um, but I knew then and there um, when he stopped it was clear, I'm sorry, I'm trying to formulate my thoughts. Um, with three days <laughs> of virtual school, he actually started to regress academically. Mm. I couldn't believe it without seeing it. And I know it sounds insane, but he was no longer doing basic math, which he was able to do um, prior to that. Mm. I had to basically temporarily put him into public school for health reasons. Um, and then I saw what was happening to him and then I had to pull him out. Wow. So yeah, it was a very quick turnaround. Um, but yeah. And I know I kind of went off on a lot of tangents, but the screen time thing is really very, very detrimental. Um, yeah. I think not just to my child, but to many other children too. I think that whole, you know, COVID virtual schooling thing, I feel like that was the wake up call that a lot of parents needed to really look and see what, well, one, what is my child learning? You know, cause for the first time there, the, the public school classroom really was public, you know, like parents were able to sit and hear what is my child learning? What is my teacher teaching? How is, you know, how is my child's teacher teaching? Um, what are the kinds of work that they're doing? How are they spending their time on this screen? And really look and see that and then start to ask those questions of, is this the best investment of my child's time? And, and that is a question that I really encourage all parents to think about because, you know, if you waste your time, you waste your life, right? Because that's all we got. <laughs> um, and so much of our time spent in public school is wasted. It's wasted on transitioning. It's wasted on these kind of fluff things or busy work or different things that they're doing. Um, and then when we added in that whole virtual piece of, you know, making these five and six-year-olds sit down on a computer for six or seven hours a day. And um, I mean, it just, it was, it was miserable for them, you know, and I, at the time I was teaching at the high school, so it was a little bit different. You know, the high school kids were um, you know, a lot more adept to, of course, being on screens for extended periods of time. Um, but I, I cannot even imagine what that must have been like to be trying to do virtual schooling with a five-year-old for, for so long. Um, I just, I can't even yeah. imagine the nightmare that that must have been for you all. <laughs> the saddest part was during virtual PE. And how do you do that? How do you, well, the gym teacher comes up, you know, comes on the screen and he does some exercises and all the kids do it, but it's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, there, there's no connection. (laughs) Like it's, you know, you have all these like little children who just want to play with their friends and, you know, they're just doing these exercises alone. And it's just so, it's Mm. sad. It's just weird. Um, (laughs) It's just really (laughs) weird. Um, 
Yeah. I think that's, I, I remember that. And also, you know, you have terrible, you know, if the teacher has a bad Wi-Fi connection, which our teacher did, it was through no fault of her own, but you can't even hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, they're basically staring at like, you know, a fuzzy screen with almost no sound and then the teacher plays like a youtube video it's a song and we can't hear the song that well you know so it's just yeah it was just such a waste it was really a waste well and and even that whole idea of like you know the the teacher is playing a youtube video um I, i can't tell you how many teachers do that you know like in our in our classrooms it's very common for a teacher to have a child watch a youtube video as a part of their lesson and then here i am thinking like we're spending a lot of money to pay these teachers to play a youtube video that my child can watch for free you know at home um and it just it's mind-boggling to me the way that we are forcing our children to spend their time and forcing taxpayers to spend their money um in this system that clearly has been so uh broken you know and just the the results that it's been producing in young people um but yeah that's that's really that's really challenging so how long was your child actually in the virtual academy before returning to homeschooling I mean, three days. I, oh. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> stomach, I couldn't stomach anyway. So it was really three days and then that's it. I just took him off and we did a Zoom with the teacher and that's it. We said, I, we know you're trying your hardest, but you know, and I, she was nodding, like, you know, it's not working. <laughs> so yeah. that's it. I'm not going to keep him in for the, for the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that they he can be dumbed down just like everybody else's yeah mm. yeah wow um I'm wondering you know you've so you've been homeschooling or unschooling for what like three years now well I would I, I would say since birth I've been schooling them um <laughs> technically I mean you know he was they're both ahead for their ages compared to other children their age um I don't like comparing, but it's easier to say that so people can understand where I'm coming from. He was in public school for maybe three, four, five, six months. It wasn't that long. Um, And then the COVID lockdowns happened. So um, yeah, I guess it's been that long. I, I can't even, I don't even know where the time flies. Yeah, I think it's been that long, two and a half, three years, something like that. <laughs> I don't keep track because it's just, you know, you finish it and then we just go on. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Is there, is there something that you wish that you would have done differently in your homeschooling journey? Yeah. Not put him in public school. Oh, that's basically it. Um, that was it. I, it's not a regret, but looking back, it did not, obviously it taught me that I can do it. Um, and that I have to do it, but I don't, I don't think so. I think for me, everything happens for a reason in its own time. So yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's, no, I don't think so. (laughs) I got nothing. (laughs) So, um, nothing you would have done differently. Are there certain things, um, 
I, I know that we, you know, we talk about unschooling and all the things that our kids are learning. I'm wondering what is something that you have learned being an unschooling mom? I have learned that I'm able to be extremely patient and uh it's been uh basically a spiritual awakening for me where i used to be extremely high strung and anxious about everything um this journey has allowed me to just completely relax and to trust in myself trust my child and know that perspective is is almost everything that matters. If you have no perspective, you will be torturing yourself for the rest of your life. <laughs> and it's just about enjoying enjoying life. I mean, this is there's so much time that you get to spend with your child. I mean, I start to wonder, you know, for people who put their children in school all day, you know, it, I, I, I'm sad and I think, why do they decide to have children if they can't see them for days on end and the only time that they can spend with each other like meaningful time is on the weekend yes <laughs> um again that's just my point of view my perspective but you know it puts it, it these are the deep thoughts i think about when you know when i realize that my children know that i'm i'm always there for them and it's not a it's not a sacrifice it's uh it's a privilege it really is and it's a blessing and i think you know it's it requires you to force yourself to really look at your life and be reminded of what exactly you want to be doing with it. Mm. Like a purpose. Yeah. I think a lot of people have lost their purpose. Mm. I would, I would definitely agree with that. I think it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the, the rat race of work and, you know, paying the bills and kind of just working to survive and make it through and, or get the next, you know, the next big thing and kind of chasing that, that American dream. Um, but I think in, in doing that, we do, we lose sight of the things that really matter in this life. And um, again, I think that's one of the best blessings to come from COVID is I think that for the first time, people are really starting to reflect on their lives and say, you know, what really matters to me? Like we only have one life to live and it is a short one. And however long or short that life may be for each of us, how are we going to invest the, the, the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds of our life um, and really being intentional in the way that we invest that time. And of course, being able to invest that with our children is by far the biggest um, blessing, I think, as as a mom and um, as a teacher too, to be able to to join my children in that journey and and share life with them, as you mentioned. Um, I tell people that all the time that that homeschooling is not doing doing school at home. Homeschooling right. is doing life in the world with the people that you love the most. And I think if we can you know, move forward together from that lens and from that desire to want to have connected relationships with our kids and to share our life with our kids and not just, you know, the little bit at the end of the day when we're all tired and hungry and angry and frustrated from, you know, long day of work or whatever, or on the weekends when we're also exhausted, but when we can really, sh you know, share and have, um, 
quality time and quantity time. You know, I think being able to have both quality and quantity is, is a beautiful gift. Uh, you know, um, another, uh, a quote that I, um, I, I may, may have read it maybe, I don't think it was 10 years ago, like seven, seven or eight years ago was, and I, I don't know who it's from, so I can't attribute it, but they said, what you want written on your tombstone, let that guide you to how you live your life. Mm. I'm paraphrasing, but the, you know, the, the idea, the context you know, can be understood pretty easily. Like, yeah. do you want to be, you know, <laughs> do you want to be rich on your tombstone? Is that what you want people to remember you for? Mm-hmm. Do you want to, you know, be a hard worker? I mean, some people do. That's totally fine. If you have a very strong passion about something, and if that's what you want to be known for, you go for it. But again, put it in perspective. What do you want written on your tombstone there? <laughs> because nobody's going to remember you except the people who, who've been impacted by you and your actions. Mm-hmm. That's true. That is very true. Um, if, if there's someone who's listening, who is thinking about homeschooling and in particular thinking about unschooling, I'm wondering what advice would you give to another family that is considering um, an unschooling life? Well, the advice I would give is to first join um, a local homeschooling group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, on Facebook, social media, something. If you can't do that, start doing your research to find out what the requirements are for homeschooling. You know, some states, uh, you know, are more lenient than others. <clears throat> Understand that. You know, do your research and see what needs to be done. Uh, you know, the, the next step would be to, I think it's called de-schooling. So once you've, you know, sent in your letter of intent, um, which I think almost every state does, um, you de-school. So you just completely plug out, <laughs> plug out of everything. You can go on a vacation, you can go hiking, you can go camping, two weeks of absolutely nothing. Or you can just stay at home and play games, um, do some painting, um, cooking, you know, a water fight, I, I don't know, food fight, whatever you want, and just completely decompress from everything. Mm-hmm. And then once those two weeks are up, I would re- recommend probably another week of doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then just slowly, because those two to three weeks will probably be the most fun and you'll be making a lot of memories there. And then start slowly doing some research um, on what you want, how you want your child's, you know, day to look. I mean, every adult has the, has the freedom to, to choose. Um, and then start with that. If you want your child to, depending on their age, to start doing some workbooks um, from 10 to 11 a.m., start it and see what happens. Um, you know, if you want to have like a reading hour before then start it, see what happens. It's going to take time for any type of schedule or structure to stick. And again, it just depends on, you know, on what their age is, but if they're older, then ask them, what do they want to learn about? Um, they're always going to have an answer for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> take it, take it from there. You don't have to start and include every type of subject all at once. You know, um, I would say like, you know, I guess it depends how mature they are in middle school, but middle school and high school, it can be student led. Um, but at the same time, don't, don't let them lead you into just one subject without them having the ability to learn about other subjects as well. Mm. If that, makes, that makes sense. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, there's, there's a lot of freedom. Um, I think that's, and never doubt yourself. Because if you're that passionate to, to even start considering this, then you're on the right path. There's a reason why you're, you're doing this right now. And there's a reason why you're listening to my voice telling you to try. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, I love that, that, you know, like we can, we can just dive in and try out different things and figure out what works and, um, and, and again, you know, as you mentioned, inviting your children to be a part of, of that decision-making process with you, I think is really such an important, um, piece of this, you know, because at the end of the day, um, I think, you know, the goal is to create lifelong learners and to cultivate lifelong learners. Um, and one of the ways to do that is by giving our children kind of ownership a little bit over, over what and how and when and what, you know, whatever they're learning. And um, so yeah, being able to do that. And I, I thank you for mentioning the de-schooling process. Um, I actually, I made a, a video, an introduction to homeschooling. It's like a half an hour video and I'll make sure that I put a link for that in the description in case anyone is interested. Um, but it's a half an hour presentation about um, a, you know, an introduction to homeschooling. And actually, I mentioned all the things that you mentioned about um, going through that de-schooling process, filling out the forms, um, and then also, you know, getting, you mentioned getting connected with other homeschoolers in your area. That was another huge one for me, um, not just getting connected with homeschoolers in my area, but even getting connected with other unschooling groups. Um, that was, that was a huge game changer for me and just being able to have access to other people that were living out this unschooling life that was so new and unfamiliar to me. Um, so being able to have access to other families that had gone before me, you know, in this unschooling adventure and I could talk with them and I could share my fears and my worries and my concerns and all of that and kind of let them be that sounding board, you know, for me to be able to just come back and say, okay, no, like, it's, it's going to be okay. You could take a breath, relax, like your, your child is going to be just fine, you know, um, and to be able to have that encouragement and that support, whether that be in person or virtual is so, so important as, um, as a homeschooling family. Um, so I would definitely do that. Um, so I'll make sure that I will share that resource with you all in the description, if you would like to hear my presentation on that. Um, and I'm wondering, Juliet, are there any other resources that you have found to be really helpful for you in your unschooling journey? Um, I think I may be more of a, of a, of a rogue <laughs> or a maverick. Um, I, I tend to not have many resources that I remember or that I just stick to and use for a long period of time because I'd like for me, I prefer to hypothesize and try things out on my own mm. um, because it seems to be working right now. Um, you know, there's, um, oh gosh, I think it's, I can't remember. Um, there is a website and they deal with 
representing homeschoolers like across the country legally, but really it's, um, I don't know if it's HSDLA. Um, yep. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh -huh. And I find a lot of, I used to find a, a lot of comfort um, in, I think they have a Facebook group where, you know, you have people who are dealing with really severe legal issues. Um, and you have this organization that basically helps, helps them through the legal process, which, you know, if you're doing things, you know, <laughs> it doesn't affect the majority of people, but there are these like just, you know, random events that, you know, could have the CPS knocking on your door. And it's always good to arm yourself with knowledge um, and understand, you know, if this happens, then I know I have a legal recourse um, and how you prevent any type of like truancy <laughs> from happening. Um, but I guess it depends on the state too. Like, you know, New York and Pennsylvania are just, are crazy <laughs> when it comes to homeschooling. Um, they have, it's, it's very hard there, um, but it's not impossible. You just have to be, I think, much more on top, um, much more on top. Um, but I mean, apart from that, you know, there, there's no harm in, in doing things however you feel like it. Yeah, I would just say kind of go with it and it's okay to not know where you're going. That's mm -hmm. totally fine. Lose all control. It's going to be, it's, it's very hard to do that in the beginning, but then there's, you're happy. <laughs> You'll be happy. It's great. Oh, I could so relate to that. You're right. At the beginning, it is very, very hard to let go of control and to let go of all of these expectations and, you know, worries and fears that we all have. Um, but I feel like once you just dive in and you get started and, and you just live, <laughs> you know, you live and you enjoy your life together. Um, then it's like all of those fears and those worries, they just kind of melt away. And, um, and at the end of the day, you know, I feel like if, if my, my purpose and my intention is in building a connected and loving relationship with my child at the end of the day, like the content is not really going to matter, right? <laughs> like, um, my, you know, I can trust that my child is going to learn the content that they need to learn when they need to learn it, how they need to learn it. Um, but the most important thing for me is that my child knows that they are dearly loved and, um, and valued for the unique individual that they are. Um, and yeah, so thank you so much for, for just being that voice of encouragement to dive in and give it a try and be flexible. If it works great, if it doesn't change something, um, you're not stuck in whatever homeschooling, you know, style you have, you're not stuck in public school. And nobody's grading um, you. So, you yes. know, it's <laughs> nobody, I mean, you know, if you believe that God is judging you, then, you know, <laughs> that that's totally different, but <laughs> Um, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get a slap on the wrist, um, if it doesn't work out. So it's kind of like, refuse to be the self-sabotager <laughs> that <laughs> you, you tend to be <laughs> in life. And, and even, you know, you said, even if it doesn't work out, right? Like even the idea of, oh, this didn't work out. Like even in that, you know, what we would call a failure or something like that, there is still something valuable to be learned, even in our failures, so, you know, 
we're, yes, our children are learning, but we as parents, we are learning too. And if we can model that, that lifelong learning um, before our children and our own flexibility as we're getting new information or learning something new about our child or their learning style or their interests or our own learning style or our own interests, you know, as we are learning, we are growing, we are changing, we are adapting, um, and we can model that for our children so that they can learn, grow, change, adapt as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so very much for joining us today on this episode of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast. Um, I'm so thankful that we've been able to have Juliet here sharing with us about her family and her experience as an unschooling mom. Um, make sure that actually I did want to ask you one more thing, Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if there's someone that's listening that they're like, you know, I really resonate with Juliet. I would love to connect with her. Um, how can people connect with you before we sign off? Um, I can provide you with my email address. Okay. (laughs) So you can share that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. So I'll go ahead and get her, um, her email address. So I'll make sure if you are interested in that, um, you know, we'll, we'll have that available so that if you want to connect with Juliet, you can send her an email. Um, so you're not on Facebook or Instagram. Um, no, um, I'm on Facebook, but no, I, I do not. I'm not on like that often. (laughs) So email, (laughs) email is the best way. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, So we'll have that available. So if you want to connect with Julia, you'll be able to do that. Um, And as well, if you would like to connect with me, you can do so um, on my YouTube channel, also on my Instagram or my Facebook channel. Um, And you are also welcome to email me too. So feel free to send me an email if you have any questions or are considering homeschooling or unschooling. Um, I am more than happy to help support you in this journey. You are not alone and it is definitely the adventure of a lifetime. Um, And so I hope that you guys will take Juliet's advice and dive right in and give it a shot. Um, So thank you so much for being with us today. Make sure that you subscribe to my podcast so that you will be able to listen up to every single episode. There are new episodes that are released every Tuesday, and um, that way you won't miss a single one. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and if you enjoyed today's episode, Click subscribe and be sure to hit the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.